Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. A healthy body can be destroyed by a virus. A dense forest can be cleared by a pest. Likewise, the light of love can be darkened by a single sin, pride. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals why it's impossible to show true agape love when pride is part of your life. From his series in 1 Corinthians 13, here's David to introduce today's message, Love's Power Over Pride. You know, I have never recovered from that verse where the Bible says, um, these six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven of them. And uh, at least two or three of them on that list have to do with being proud. The Bible says pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And the illustrations of the reality of that truth are everywhere around us. Pride is an ugly disease, and it's what started the mess we're in when Satan decided he wanted to be like God. And uh, we're going to talk about this really interesting uh, problem Today and on Monday, as we open our Bibles again to 1 Corinthians 13, and we discuss love's power over pride. We have a study guide for this series. I hope you'll get it. It's a little bit larger than the ones we normally have, a few extra pages, maybe 10. And it takes you all the way through 1 Corinthians 13 with notes, outlines, a lot of the material that we share on the radio. And we'd love for you to have this study guide along with the CD package that you can order from davidjeremiah.org. When you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of September, we want you to have the calendar for 2024. We've moved this up to September to get it to you in plenty of time so you can start inputting all the information for the new year. For November and December, there's a calendar page in this 14-month calendar, and you can start noting the special holidays. And uh, also uh, in the calendar itself is a Bible reading program for the new year, uh, the notation of many holidays, and most of all, the beautiful photography highlighting the unchanging promises of God. You can't get this anywhere else, but when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of September, we'll send you your copy, and you'll be ready to start working on the new year. Ask for it when you send your gift today. I hope you'll do it. Here's part one of Love's Power Over Pride. The 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the great love chapter, begins with a discussion of the priority and preeminence of love. Love as a character trait outstrips all other character traits. It is the priority of the Christian's life. Earlier, we looked at the two main concepts that are embodied in agape love, the concept of long-suffering patience and the concept of kindness. We began our journey through the eight negative statements of Paul concerning love. What love is not, what love does not do, what will not cohabit with love, what is mutually exclusive from love. And we learned that in God's love there is no place for jealousy and envy. 
It is not possible for a person to be at one and the same time loving in God's way and filled with envy and jealousy. The Bible says love envies not. But if you have your Bibles open to that same verse, you can look at the next phrase. In essence, we're going to take the next two phrases because they are so similar. Love vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. The next weed that is likely to grow in the garden of your love and squeeze out the flower of agape is the weed called pride. And the Bible tells us that in God's love there is no room for pride. Here in this chapter, in this verse, there are two expressions that are used. One, it's speaking of what love does on the outside uh, if it gets caught up with pride, and the other has to do with what pride is on the inside. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. J.B. Phillips has translated that verse like this. Love is neither anxious to impress, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. C.S. Lewis who has written in one of his unpublished papers, not known by most, about pride, has this to say about the vice. He says, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world simply loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I have heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or that they can't keep their heads about girls or drink, or even that they are cowards. I don't think, said Lewis, I have ever heard anyone who was not a Christian accuse himself of the vice of pride. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Pride. The Bible warns against many sins. In fact, as you read through the Old and the New Testament, you will see many different catalogs of sins. I remember sitting through a crusade one time when someone took all those sins and put them all together on one sheet of paper. And then we were kind of clubbed over the head with that sheet of paper. And by the time I was finished looking at all the sins and examining my heart against all of them, I was so depressed and discouraged I didn't want to come back to church the next night. And I reminded the leader of that crusade how wonderful it was that God in his sovereignty didn't put all the sins on the same page in the Bible. How depressing, how discouraging. But in all of the catalogs of sins, there are some that seem to make every single list. And in one way or another, the sin of pride finds its way to the top of every list. The Proverbs Record for us that God has a hate list, and there are six things which he hates, and at the very top of that list is a proud look. Isn't it interesting how we would judge sins, and God judges them in a different way? Proverbs 6, verse 17 adds that God hates a proud look. Someone has defined pride as an exaggerated and dishonest self-evaluation. It is a self-evaluation that I want people to accept me despite my own awareness that it is a false evaluation. Pride seeks value and honor and importance and reputation and significance that it does not deserve. 
Pride is an ego-motivated maneuver to hide from myself the truth about myself. Mark chapter 7 tells us that pride is one of the sins that proceeds from the evil heart of man. When I was preaching through the book of Daniel, I came to the fourth chapter and we talked about the pride of King Nebuchadnezzar, and we'll touch upon that in a moment. After that message, someone came up to me at the end of the service and gave me a sheet of paper with this definition of pride. Pride is avoiding necessary character changes by expecting others to fit their ideas and feelings around mine. I had never thought of it that way. Pride is avoiding necessary character changes by expecting everybody else to fit their ideas and their feelings around mine. And when we identify pride in those terms, it at once becomes very easy to understand why it cannot exist with love. For love, according to the agape definition, is that which always seeks the best interest in the object of our love. And pride is so consumed with one's own personal best interest that it has no time to look at the concerns of the ones we love. Pride is the enemy of love. If you had visited the church in Corinth, you would have met Christians who were haughty and arrogant and preoccupied with their own importance, who were boasting about all their spiritual gifts and thinking they were spiritual giants and gathering themselves in cliques around all of their favorite speakers. Pride was written on the pages of every single book in the church. And Paul confronts them about their pride. But when Paul used a word to describe the condition of the Corinthians, he used a word that is found almost exclusively in this book. Once in a while it appears outside of 1 Corinthians, but its main use is found here in this book. It is an expression that is so vivid one cannot miss the picture. It is found here in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4 when we are given the second definition of pride. For we are told that love is not puffed up. Now I mentioned before that the first word, which is the word to boast or vaunt oneself, is what happens to a proud person on the outside, but being puffed up is what happens to a proud person on the inside. The first phrase deals with outward pride, but that outward pride is simply a manifestation of the inward pride that is given to us in the descriptive term, puffed up. Now take your Bibles and turn back to the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians. And let's trace the use of that word through this book. In the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, we have the story of immorality in the church at Corinth. Most of the time when this chapter is preached, the main emphasis of the chapter is passed over. Most of the time, what we hit in the fifth chapter is the immorality of the individual who was involved in an incestuous relationship. But that is not the purpose of chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians was not given to us that we might point our finger at the guilty fornicator and say, shame on you. Chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians was given to us to point its finger at the church that tolerated such sin and didn't do anything about it. And the reason behind the toleration of such immorality is given to us in the fifth chapter. Now read with me the first two verses. 
It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Paul said the problem is not so much that the sin has happened, but that you are so proud and so intelligent and so lifted up upon the pedestal of your own imaginations that you cannot see this sin for what it is, and you sit back in your sophisticated way of thinking and say, well, it's just the age, it's just the time, it's just the way things are now in this grown-up, sophisticated society. And Paul said the problem is pride. It's pride in the church. Too proud to face sin for what it is. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 8 and verse 1. Here he uses the phrase again. Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. And here's a play on words in this verse that's very interesting. For the word edify means to build up. And Paul here gives us a choice. He says, you got a choice in life. You can puff up or you can build up. Either you're going to be puffed up or you're going to be built up. Knowledge, he says, puffs up, but love edifies. Oh, what a good word for all of us in this educational milieu in which we live. Knowledge without love is simply uh, an opportunity for us to build the pride mechanism within our own spirit. But when we have love, and love always focuses on the individual in the educational process, then we can avoid that pride trap that wants to grab all of us who are into education. And then in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, we see the word again. And if you want to take one look outside of 1 Corinthians, turn over to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18. I need to warn you that pride is a sin of the spirit, but it is also a sin of the mind. And when we find it in the scripture, it is often associated with the intellect. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which hath not seen, here it is, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now, the word for puffed up in the Greek language is the word fusiao, which gives us a picture, really, in its original setting of a blacksmith's bellows that is filled up with air. Or in our day and age, it might be the picture of a balloon that is so full of air that it's about ready to burst. The words puffed up in the Greek language literally mean to blow up, to puff up, to swell up, to inflate. The idea is that love is not puffed up, is neither conceited nor arrogant, is similar to the idea that love does not vaunt itself. The difference is that bragging or boasting seems to be the outward display of pride, while puffed up seems to refer to an inward prideful attitude and disposition. Have you ever been around people who are puffed up? Sometimes it's almost all you can do to resist the urge to stick a pin in them so that they will deflate. You know what I mean? And many years ago, we were traveling across the country in our van, and we would stop along the road as we were coming back from Fort Wayne to, to rest. And I noticed that most of the time the passing trucks didn't bother me. But I learned something on that trip back from Fort Wayne, and I almost called my message by this title, Empty trucks make the most noise. 
Have you noticed that? Empty trucks make the most noise. People who don't have anything to say are the ones who are puffed up with pride. They're the ones who make all the racket and all the noise. And that kind of a spirit, Paul says, is the kind of spirit that destroys the spirit of love in the Christian. There's a story in one of Aesop's fables of a fly who is sitting on the axle of a chariot and exclaiming, what dust do I raise? Reminds me of people I know who have really nothing to say but keep on bragging as if there was something worthy to hear. Now as you look at pride in the scriptures and as you examine it in the context of our ability to love one another, there are two or three things I want to share with you about the sin of pride. I think the first thing we need to examine is this truth, that pride, wherever it is found among Christians, ignores God's sovereignty. When a person has a proud heart as a Christian, it is basically because he has ignored the sovereignty of God in his life. Now I will ask you to turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and look with me at just one verse that poses some very troubling questions to most of us Christians today. In the seventh verse of 1 Corinthians 4, Paul is asking the Corinthians some very penetrating and disturbing questions about their own proud heart. Question number one, verse seven, who maketh thee to differ from one another? Good question, Paul. Who puts a difference between you and makes you superior or in your eyes makes you inferior? Who is it that is responsible for having made all of us different and all of us unique and all of us individual? God has made us different. He is responsible for our uniqueness. And when we are proud, we have begun a process of ignoring the sovereignty of God in our lives. Question number two. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? The question is a question that really begs the issue. Paul is saying, what endowment do you have that didn't come from God? What is it that you now possess that you brought into the world with you of your own accord. If you are beautiful, so what? Where did it come from? If you are a good athlete, I know you have to practice and no one is ever born an athlete, but you have the native skills to do that. If you are intelligent, what is the reason for your intelligence apart from the fact that God has endowed you with the equipment to produce what you are and there is no reason to become proud because everything comes from God a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven John 3:27. James 1:17 says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the father of lights Question number two is, what do you have that you did not receive? All right, let's review the questions. Are you with me? Who makes you to be different from somebody else? What do you have that you did not receive? Now, here is the clincher. Here is where Paul really drives his readers right next to the wall. He puts the peg in and he clinches it on the other side. Question number three. Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Oh, Paul, 
you ask the most difficult questions. This third question points out the incongruity of boasting about what is nothing more than a gift which comes from God. By the standards of the world, the Corinthians might have had something to boast about, but Christians do not accept the standards of the world. And of course, the question that we have to ask in 1 Corinthians 13 is this, how can I love in agape love if in an ungrateful spirit I ignore God's love and provision for me in the gifts which he has given me? How will I ever learn to love you as a person if instead of a grateful spirit for that which God has given to me, I have gotten proud? How can I ever learn to love you as one of God's children if I am consumed with who I am and do not give credit to God who has given me whatever I possess? Pride ignores God's sovereignty. But I need to share with you that if there is a deadly sin, one that is more wicked than the others, it has to be pride, for it is the only sin that I know of in the Bible that specifically invites God's judgment. Pride not only ignores God's sovereignty, but pride invites God's judgment. I went back through the Proverbs again, back through the literature in the Bible on pride, and I found over and over again this truth. Let me just share some of it with you. Write down the verses, look them up later, but don't forget the content. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth, God says, do I hate. The proud, arrogant mouth, God says, I hate it. Proverbs 16.18 Pride goeth before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs eleven two. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Now, all of these Proverbs seem to be summed up in one New Testament scripture that you all know, but I wonder if you've ever known it like you're going to know it as we examine it together. Just let me read it to you. You don't even have to turn to it. But I want to ask you before I read it a question. If I were to tell you something that you could do that would absolutely make God want to stay as far away from you as possible, if I could absolutely prove to you that there's something you can do that will cause God to retreat from you, to get away from you, not to want to be around you, if I can use human terms, would you listen? Do you know of anybody who, if, if they were confronted with the option of doing one thing that would drive God's heart away from their heart, would they do that? Listen to James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. God resists the proud. And you see it everywhere in history. You see it all around you in the world in which you live. There is one thing that seems to turn the power of God off in a person's life more than anything else, and that is the switch called personal pride. 
There's one thing that I pray that God will deal with us in our own hearts more than anything else that he would keep us from that evil iniquity which can be the source of God's destruction in our life. For pride invites God's judgment. And the Bible is very clear, isn't it? The Bible tells us that pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit goes before destruction. What else do we need to hear? Don't let that evil get in your heart. Don't start sticking your chest out and letting everybody think how great you are. Don't go to a conversation with somebody and it only be a listening experience for them because you do all the talking. Don't be proud. Pride cancels that out. And humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And pride will get in the way of that. Somebody has once uh, written about it as the ultimate core sin in the Bible. And uh, we'll have more about that on Monday. In the meantime, I hope you have a good weekend. Get to church. Um, be a source of encouragement to the people around you. Tell your pastor you love him and you're coming there to support him. And uh, if you can get a chance to watch our television program, it's where you are. You can find it. And uh, then be sure and join us when we come together again on Monday and continue our discussion of the power of love. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Power of Love, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2024 focused on God's enduring faithfulness, the unchanging promises of God. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, The Power of Love on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. There's no getting around the fact that talking is necessary. But I read a piece of wise counsel that said, There is no reason to speak unless you can improve on silence. And silence is golden, the sages have observed. Solomon, a wise man, said there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And the Apostle James advised that we ought to be slow to speak. 
Think about your words today. When you speak, make your words encouraging, edifying, hopeful, and full of good cheer. In other words, if silence is golden, make sure your words are more valuable than fine gold. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's golden words on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.